0: This is uh, my third venture. I have set up two ventures in the past in uh, medical diagnostic space and professional editing space. Uh, so we will start with speaking about gene fetaletics followed by detailed insights on how the linkage between gut microbiome and chronic diseases, right? And then a bit about our product, what we are offering and how we are helping people you know, improve their health. Uh, so uh, gene fetaletics was born out of my own learning transformation journey from a uh, from a stage of pre-diabetic to becoming a healthy soul, as well as personal suffering, my mother faced when she had a cardiac arrest. The current healthcare system, as we see today, is best we have. When we talk of, you know, episodic and infectious diseases, if we have to cure communicable diseases, if we have influenza, if we have viral infections, it's best we have. We have drugs and vaccines that can help cure that. Even even if we talk of uh, clinical health conditions like transplant, open heart surgeries, all these we can cure but obviously these also have collateral damages but when we talk of chronic diseases right these diseases which are suffering every day these diseases uh, our system is not designed to cure them so what best they do is they try to cure symptoms and make us their lifetime subscribers right? now if uh, let me let me explain this with an example if suppose you have an autoimmune disease like celiac disease they will not say that you know let's find a root cause they'll probably start uh, suppressing your immune system by prescribing medicines when you do that and you suppress your immune system you likely to attract more symptom modes, then you they are subscribed to more drugs and this goes and on and on so by the end you you are a, at the age of 40 you are popping in more pills and than, than berries and apples right so uh, if uh, for, uh, let's Uh, let me explain you in more detail. Uh, If someone is having high cholesterol or risk of cardiovascular disease, we are told that, you know, reduce our cholesterol. So what we do is we are referred to statin drugs and statin drugs, actually what it does is, it blocks the thing which produces cholesterol, but the fact is it also blocks an enzyme called CoQ10, right? Without this enzyme, we cannot have, uh, our ATP cycle cannot run and we don't have energy and we we are low energy, we, we suffer from muscle pain. And that's, and then again, we get a drug to counter that. So this is a vicious circle. So what are chronic diseases? So these diseases are caused basically by chronic inflammation, which occurs when our gut microbiome, which we'll discuss in detail now, is in is in imbalanced state that releases toxin enzyme and metabolites that changes our disease expression, that changes that probably release more of you know inflammatory gases in our body. And then our immune system doesn't know what to do and they only know what is, is inflammation. So it creates inflammation, then our immune system becomes overactive and then it starts attacking its own cell. So that's, that's how be it diabetes, obesity, digestive issues, cardiovascular diseases, cancer, Alzheimer, depression, anxiety, all have one root cause. That is chronic inflammation, which causes chronic diseases. In fact, we have been told that, you know, everyone, uh, we have to, we have to see our genetic composition and, you know, but, but the fact is, our genes doesn't change over life. So what causes disease is something else is how our genes are expressed. And that is, that depends upon what we eat and how these foods are digested in our body when we eat these foods, right? So, so the last five, we have all got it wrong, you know, and we have been, we have been focusing only on managing symptoms, and, and the end result is we spend a lot of money on managing our diseases. Now, this all uh, uh, drove me to fix the current healthcare model, and I was trying to figure out what exactly causes disease, what is the root cause of this disease. And I went to a lot of medical journals and scientific papers, and I could find only one common cause, that is our gut, gut microbiome. And these microbes in our gut are actually CEO of our body. They are the one who takes all the disease. We are like puppet and they, they handle entire everything in our body. Uh, be it interacting with brain mitochondria, immune system or even, you know, releasing hormones, all functions are done by our gut, right? And I think Dr. Praveen will, will share in detail about this. We'll be discussing more in detail. Most of our 70% immune system is around our gut lining and that's that's the immune system is impacted, is strained and, you know, uh, by our gut, right? And uh, when we are hungry, it is it is actually these microbes telling that you know, it's time to feed them and feed them what they are hungry for, not what you are hungry for. Uh, so that's that's a bit about you know our basic understanding why we started that and what we do is basically we uh, we are actually using a specific science which is a microbial science where we decode your decode and sequence your gut microbiome through a through a stool sample and then you use that to. Analyze your biological data and then provide you personalized dietary recommendations that can actually improve your health. So now let me ask Dr. Pavin Ramurthy, why is our healthcare system struggling to fix chronic diseases? What is your view on that?
1: Yeah, so Shanti, you're right. So the current, uh, you know, healthcare system has been quite uh, efficient and quite uh, uh you know, accomplished in terms of uh, handling acute, you know, uh, sorts of situations like injuries, surgeries, acute infectious diseases. But when it comes to chronic diseases, uh, for instance, obesity, diabetes, allergy, uh, it's fairly, it's very much more complex than an acute situation because it is multifactorial in terms of, the cause and the effect. So when you look at uh, the, uh, you know, chronic diseases, uh, participants, please go on mute. Participants, please go on mute. Uh, Okay, so uh, chronic diseases, are pretty much, uh, like I said, multifactorial. So let us look at the components of uh, chronic disease, right? So you have the human genome, which is your DNA and the products of the genome, like the proteins, like the uh, metabolites that uh, are uh, coded in your human genome. So that is one aspect of it. The other aspect of it is the environment which, what what do we mean by environment? The environment is, you know, your diet, where you live, the geography, uh, your exercise regimen, your nutrition and things like that. And one of the most important things that we have not paid attention to, but we're increasingly paying attention to is the microbial genome. The microbes that are in your gut, on your skin, in your lungs, everywhere. These are not. These are what we call as the commensals or the good microbes. They inhabit your uh, your body. They don't cause any infections, but they are there. And we're increasingly beginning to realize the importance of these. So I would say, just to summarize, chronic diseases are combination of the environment, your human genome, and its products, and the microbial genome and its products. That brings me to, uh, you know, the question of why and how is the microbiome so important. Let us look at some numbers, some some figures and facts that will illustrate and elucidate why is it that the microbiome is so important. See, in our body we have about 30 trillion cells. The human body contains an average of 30 trillion cells. Number of microbes living in our gut is estimated to be around 38 trillion cells. Uh, so that means there is eight trillion more microbe, uh, microbial cells. Which means there is more. The human body is basically con- consists of more microbes than human cells. Like around 57, 60 percent of foreign cells and 43 percent of human cells. If we compute the percentage. Not only that, the number of genes that uh, we have in our bodies, uh, in each cell in our body, is about twenty thousand. Whereas the number of microbial genes uh, is around twenty, is two to twenty million genes. That's the estimate. So that means that uh, there's a hundredfold or even greater than that uh, of microbial genes compared to human genes. So. We, we, we have to pay attention to uh, the fact that these are very important numbers and they're, that means that there is some biological significance uh, to, to the fact that we have such huge amounts of microbes in our body, microbial genes operating in our bodies. And if you look at the weight of the microbiome, if you just look at the, if you, if you kind of look at the mass, there's about two kilograms of microbes in our body and remember your brain weighs about an average of 1.4 kilograms where we have two kilograms of microbes. So there are so many other uh, uh, facts but I just wanted to hit on these uh, major facts. Uh, another important fact is that 99.9 percent or 99.4 to of our genes, you know, if you look at our genetic code, we're very similar, you know, human being to human being, but we have an enormous diversity in the microbial genes and the composition of microbes, you know, in our gut. Uh, And so, so this is why I think that the next frontier in, 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 in human health is the microbiome. And it's being validated increasingly by the amount of research that's going into this space, as well as the amount of interest from not only companies like Gene Fitletics, but also pharmaceutical companies who are developing therapies based on uh, the microbiome.
0: Yeah. Uh, so uh, if you allow me to, I'll add a couple of more points here in terms of the data. So probably when we talk of uh, you know, gut and immune system. So, seventy uh, percent of immune cells are along our gut lining, and essentially our gut are actually, uh, you know, interacting with them and training them. So, whatever inflammation happens is due to you know the overactive or underactive of immune system, and as well as our uh, you know our happiness hormones and the way which makes us happy or our mood behaviors are, are driven by serotonin. And it turns out that serotonin, ninety percent of serotonin is is you know produced by our gut not by our brain so so this essentially means that gut is actually a is also called a second brain and right? so coming on to the next question dr. Praveen, I wanted to ask so uh, are these microbes a real reason for chronic diseases
1: they they play an important role in the chronic disease uh, you know uh, because so far we've been only focused on the human genes and uh, we've we, uh, we've, we've, uh, and its products, the proteins and the metabolites. But I think what we have not paid attention to uh, is, is uh, how microbiome also plays a significant role you know in, in, the, in the evolution of uh, uh, chronic diseases. So uh, you know, for instance, uh, if you take uh, obesity uh, as an example, you know, if you look at people who are lean and people who are obese, uh, there are differences, you know, in the microbial composition. And, and so when you kind of think about the scale at which the microbes, uh, the microbiome exists, uh, you know, in our bodies, you know, they, if particularly the ones in the gut, you can consider that those are the ones that are the metabolic engines. Because uh, they're consuming the foods that you're consuming. They're digesting things that uh, you cannot, uh, the human cells cannot digest. They are digesting those, they're producing products. And so, huge implications in terms of carbohydrate and fat metabolism. And therefore, obesity can be linked pretty strongly to the gut microbiome. And the natural progression of obesity would be, you know, type two diabetes, you know, where uh, for instance, if you have a, a gut that's leaky, it leads to LPS accumulation and low-grade inflammation and insulin resistance. The most important thing about uh, uh, when you look at type two diabetes, everybody knows about the glycemic index and, and uh, uh, you know, foods that increase your sugar or your glucose levels in the blood. Uh, it's, it turns out that the microbiome has a unique influence on your glycemic response. So here you take two individuals. Uh, one has consumed, uh, John has consumed a banana and his uh, blood glucose level shoots up. Whereas he eats watermelon, it's not as high as uh, the consumption of banana. But then you look at the opposite with Matthew, you have uh, he consumes a watermelon and his uh, blood uh, glucose level goes up, and and then he consumes banana and it's just the kind of opposite of what John has had. So really, you just from this alone, from uh, you can you can infer that uh, what you know there is no universal diet, you know, and, and it, it, in, in the fact is that the microbiome plays a really important role in how you metabolize and, and how the glucose metabolism occurs uh, in your body. So that's a very simple illu- and powerful illustration of, uh, of this uh, situation, of uh, the fact that uh, the microbiome is a very important player. It's a metabolic engine that's mm-hmm. embedded. It also, as Sushant said, it, it also interacts with the immune system. It interacts with the brain You want to go back to the previous slide, Sushant?
0: Yeah, yeah. And I I have a question before that. So Mm. it means that, you know, a lot of people who have been told to have low-carb food and, you know, have high-protein diets and follow Mm. a GI, so all these are actually just a way of managing our symptoms They cannot cure diabetes?
1: Yeah, I I think, uh, you know, today, if you look at the world of medicine, right, it's It's transforming in a way that it's moving towards personalized medicine, right? Mm -hmm. So the concept of personalized medicine is matching your genetic profile to the drugs that will work for you, right? Right. So similarly, uh, food is medicine, you know, no question Mm -hmm. about it. So when it comes to food, it's also important to match your genetic profile, but also your microbial genetic profile. The microbiome genetic profile and yeah. so there needs to be individualized diet and this has been around in, if you take Ayurveda the ancient Indian uh, mm. uh, you know form of medicine, there, there is a, a way to customize food but you know there was no particular uh, uh, scientific or modern scientific connection and I think we can establish that with the microbiome right? We can, uh, which has a direct impact. So I think we need to personalize diet based on microbiome, based on the human genetic profile, just like how medicine is operating. We have to also be more scientific in our approach and not very universal in our approach.
0: Another point I wanted to share probably uh, last month we did, uh, uh, you know, uh, diabetes uh, awareness week and Uh, We got to know that, you know, in terms of when we eat, you know, a lot of low carb food and low GI food, what happens is all these foods are actually digested by microbes in our gut, right? Whatever we eat, it gets there. And what generally when they, then these folks generally, you know, feed on, uh, on fiber and, and carbohydrates, unlike told to us that carbohydrates are bad. So essentially when, when we consume less carbs, so these, uh, folks start eating our gut lining, and that's how we, we end up with a leaky gut, and you know, and probably they eat a specific a specific molecular leaky gut, right? Which is again uh, substantiated by our recent research done by an American company, where there's a there's a molecule called fucose which actually is eaten by these microbes, and that spikes our sugar level, and I, I think that is something which is causing the insulin resistance, right? So I think that's that's I. I, I, what is What do you think about this, you know, uh, uh, on this? And probably is, is, is uh, following a low-carb diet should be, uh, you know, should be restructured in a way, as you mentioned, in the precision medicine, or, or should we still continue, uh, you know, following what our doctors and pharmacists and other people are telling?
1: Well, you see, medicine, generally, the, you know, if you go to a general mm-hmm. clinic, a clinician or a physician, you know, their no. training is not in nutrition and, and diet. And so that's why they mm. refer you to a dietitian. And then mm. conventional, uh, you know, uh, dietitians follow a little bit more conventional approach of, you know, uh, prescribing uh, solutions that are not personalized, you know. And I think partnering with folks like dietitians and physicians and patients mm. where we say, listen, let's also look at your, just like how we do your lipid profile, uh, your your uh, blood profiles, we should also do a microbial profile because this has huge impact and huge benefits will come out of it in terms of helping personalized diet uh, and i I'm a big believer in it otherwise I wouldn't say this that uh, if you know when the science is you know going this direction, I think we all ought to explore and see how we can incorporate this microbial testing and and uh, allow us to Sort of uh, uh, modulate our lifestyle and and achieve good health, and uh, I have no doubts that a uh, lot of insights will come out of this for people. Okay.
0: So let's move on to uh, let's talk about uh, maybe uh, we should talk about cardiovascular disease, which is again you know uh,
1: something uh, correct. It's a it's a natural progression of you know. Obesity, in, uh, not in all instances, in many instances, uh, for instance, some metabolites uh, released by the gut microbiome, uh, such as trimethylamine N-oxide, TMAO, has been linked to, uh, you know, coronary artery disease, you know, mm. and if you have a lower abundance of bacteroidetes and a higher abundance of lactobacillus, that has also been linked to, uh, cardiovascular or or coronary artery disease so there is there has been very good science behind uh, you know publishing these and people are actually trying to use this information to see how to treat you know uh, people yeah
0: okay and another point which actually i think during covid a lot of people have faced and this is uh, quite relevant in terms of you know anxiety and depression and I have seen a lot of people are going for uh, you know therapies and counseling sessions and and, and uh, since I recently uh, did a lot of research on this and could found that you know again the connection between gut and brain has a role to play in, in uh, you know
1: in our uh, depression anxiety can you throw some light on that? Yeah, let's go to that uh, gut brain axis. see this gut brain axis is not a new thing right people know about this uh in in the in the sense that the vagus nerve the 10th cranial nerve you know is it is connected to the gut i mean it uh, it really comes down to the uh, stomach and and you know we all Know that when we feel nervous or depressed or anxious, you know, we do feel that butterflies in the stomach. So we all feel that. So this is <laughs> this is uh, something that everybody knows uh, about how uh, when you have anxiety, your appetite either increases substantially uh, or or your appetite uh, goes down completely. You know, so we all have experienced the gut brain axis. Now there is a lot of science of uh, showing that, you know, serotonin production, as you said, you know, is in the gut. And the gut microbiomes also can uh, en- enhance the serotonin production by some of the gut the cells in the gut, right? And uh, the other thing is that, you know, in people with depression, uh, the gut microbiome turns uh, tryptophan, which is an amino acid in our foods, into a different chemical called neurotransmitters, and more readily than serotonin. And then there's also uh, another neurotransmitter called GABA which is produced by the gut bacteria and uh, a- antidepressants like prozac or fluoxetine you know can have major effects on the, on the gut microbiome. so so there's plenty of evidence that's emerging correlations that are emerging showing the that the gut-brain axis um, is real, and it does have an impact. Uh, and then, if you look at uh, you know research studies in in uh, in animal models, for instance, so mm-hmm. when they took uh, fecal samples from patients with schizophrenia, Parkinson's, autism, and depression, and put it into uh, these mouse models or rodent models they found the equivalent of those diseases, uh, you know, being expressed in these animals. So it shows that uh, the patterns of the gut microbiome and the disease states uh, correlate and they can be recapitulated. That means they can be reproduced when you take them and transplant them uh, somewhere. For instance, uh, people with fewer bacterioids Bacteria mm. have a stronger pattern of hyperactivity in the prefrontal context, uh, cortex, which has been associated with depression. Whereas if you have more GABA producing bacteria, you know, there's a little bit more reduced anxiety, there's more reduced anxiety and, uh, mm. you know, uh, a calmer sort of disposition, mental disposition. So science is backing it up, mm. uh, more and more research yeah. is getting done. And what we're, what we're seeing is some pretty good science that's showing some of these uh, links and generating these sorts of molecular level information. Yeah.
0: I'd I'll, I'll like to add here one more point uh, because uh, we are grappling with diabetes and, and for all of the you know people who are there in this meeting, uh, it is essential to understand that you know, the, the core uh, root cause of diabetes is not insulin resistance, but it is inflammation caused by when our gut is in the balance. And this happens because, as Praveen mentioned, that gut and brain axis talk to each other through vagus nerve. And when we are under inflammation, when our body is reading a lot of harmful gases, it breaks the communication between gut and brain. So gut cannot tell the brain, you know, that I'm, I'm hungry or I'm full. And then we keep on eating and that's how our sugar level goes up. And, you know, that's how our insulin resistance comes into picture. So insulin resistance is, is actually not a root cause, but it is an impact of the root cause. It is an impact of inflammation. So 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 essentially that, that's, that's where we all are going wrong. Uh, so, uh, Uh, Praveen, let's talk about, uh, you know, uh, is it true that, you know, we are only one percent
1: humans, like uh, in terms of the microbial... uh, microbial Yeah, if you if you look at the genetic, the the number of genes that we harbor that are not our own, Mm -hmm. that we're in the two to two, uh, you know, two million to 20 million uh, thereabouts of microbial genes and we only have 20,000 genes. So yes, that definitely, definitely is a true statement.
0: Okay. Okay, and, and can you also share a bit about uh, the impact of consuming drugs and antibiotics on our gut health?
1: Yeah, this is, uh, you know, because we know that antibiotics uh, kill bacteria Um, And so they don't distinguish between the good bacteria and the bad bacteria, right? So the good bacteria, are the the ones that have been living with us for a long time, the gut bacteria, the bad bacteria, the infections that we acquire, like E. coli or salmonella, typhi or those uh, type which cause typhoid and and so on and so forth. So uh, when someone takes antibiotics, uh, particularly uh, studies have been done in children, at a very young age, many of them get these ear infections, and they put on heavy doses of antibiotics, and that does have a huge impact. And uh, you know, many of those kids develop allergies and uh, complications, uh, you know, in, in, in the way the immune system is uh, modulating itself because of excessive antibiotic use. And in older patients on the other end of the spectrum, Uh, heavy treatment with antibiotics also results in Clostridium difficile infections, which are very, very severe forms of diarrhea and uh, GI tract uh, infections. And so the the microbiome can be heavily disrupted with antibiotics. That doesn't mean antibiotics should not be given, but I think uh, attention should be paid to uh, how we administer antibiotics and should probiotics be given. Personally, mm-hmm. I've used probiotics for my kid when he's been on antibiotics and it's helped him uh, not have uh, diarrhea, uh, you know, episodes, you know, of diarrhea. You know? So, so th- th- that tells you that the gut microbiome is important and, and uh, it, it needs to be carefully monitored, tested and taken care of because then one can achieve better health. Uh,
0: so one of the, uh, this brings to an important point and, you know, how is uh, food, you know, whatever we eat is impacting our gut microbiome and vice versa. So gut impacts our food and food impacts our gut. You know, so, so
1: uh, can you throw a light on that? See, we already talked about, uh, you know, that banana and watermelon and a John and Matthew example that itself yeah. uh, shows, you know, what a, what a big difference, you know, uh, different kinds of foods make to the the kind of microbes that we all have that are quite different from each other. Uh, You know, if you take the example of uh, polyphenol rich foods, you know, uh, you know, we, these are things that everybody thinks are great, you know, pomegranate juice, berries, flax seeds, olives, and things like that. But if you have, uh, each one of us, as we all know, have different microbial compositions. So if you have uh, microbes that can convert, you know, this elagic acid, which is an important uh, component of these uh, to urothilin, urothilin, uh then, uh, you know, you're in good shape. But if your gut lacks that specific microbe, then it results in, you know, inflammation. So again, personalizing Uh, diets uh, and nutrition based on uh, gut microbiome is is really important. So this is why uh, universal foods uh, that everything, uh, you know, this is good for everyone, this is bad for everyone is not the way Mm -hmm. to go. We need to be cognizant of uh, the differences in our genetic profile, in our microbial profiles in order to customize and personalize um, our nutrition so
0: essentially uh, if i'm correct i understand is whatever we eat it gets into small intestine and large intestine their gut uh, our gut microbes releases different digestive enzymes right that breaks the or metabolize the chemical in our food and then either we get nutrients like polyphenols antioxidants or vitamins or minerals or we get you know. Uh, Harmful gases like lipopolysaccharides, or maybe ammonia and methane, and all these are actually root cause of maybe colon cancer, or IBS, or even diabetes, right? Mm-hmm. So, so essentially, whatever we we have been uh, following a fat diet, maybe a ketosis or paleo, or you know whatever quantified nutrition, all these have a long term impact on our overall metabolic health, right? Yeah. Okay. So that's that's an interesting thing to to learn actually. Uh, now, uh, I wanted to discuss one more thing. So, when we talk about, you know, uh, the uh, the cardiovascular diseases, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, when we are taking high protein diet, and this is specifically because if you see a lot of people during COVID have been told that, you know, have a lot of protein in your diet, you know, don't, don't eat carb or don't eat fat or, you know, because, or maybe have, lot of high of vitamin C because it will build your immune system. So when we, when you talk of paleo diet, like high protein diet, right? So, uh, uh mostly the products like even eggs, uh, chicken, uh, fish, right? Even broccoli, all these foods are high in cartonine and choline, And this how, is this how, this is how we get TMA, you know, in our, because this gut metabolizer into TMA and then this goes into liver and it is metal. It is, Uh, Convert into TMO and that's what we call is cardiovascular diseases, right? So, so how do we, you know, because people are still believing and thinking that, you know, it is cholesterol is bad. Cholesterol causes problem in our, in our health or heart attack or, or maybe other, other, you know, chest issues. But, but why is it, you know, why is it happening that people are not able to figure out that? Why? Because cholesterol is important for our body. Cholesterol is Produces vitamins. It produces a lot of hormones like testosterone, testosterone, right? So, so why why people are not getting the right, you know, uh, information or guidance in terms of you know why cholesterol is not, uh, you know, not bad?
1: See, again, we talked about uh, you know how the gut microbiome is so important in metabolizing all the food we eat, and it produces its own products, right? So. Uh, Cholesterol is produced based on uh, the way the food that we eat is processed, right? And, yeah. so, and so, you know, you, you might process it differently from how I might process it, right? Yeah. And produce yeah. it, right? Yeah. And so I think that's where this whole universal diet uh, doesn't work for everybody. We all know this from personal experience. You know, one of your mm-hmm. friends tells you, hey, I was on a low-carb diet. I lost a lot of weight. I've been able to keep it. And then, and then you try it, and you just go back, and you don't keep. You cannot keep up with it, you know. You you suddenly want to go and eat a lot more carbs, and you put on weight. Similarly, this whole uh, Atkins diet, you know, uh, high protein diet, you know. Um, so people lose weight, and then it it just comes back. So, but then, it's weight gain or weight loss is that health? I don't know if that is true. You know, what makes you feel good? Uh, overall, uh, is is important. So I think again, how how your metabolic engine, which is mm. not only your your gut but also the microbes in the gut, how they interact with your your body and how they interact with um, the food that you take in, you know, mm. does have a huge impact on how uh, what sort of things you know each individual should eat.
0: Okay, that's nice. Oh. Right. so uh, let me explain you what we are doing in detail, you know, how we solve it. So essentially, uh, uh, we uh, decode your, uh, we decode your gut by taking a fickle sample and, you know, sequences your sample in our laboratory and then analyzes your sample based on, you know, whatever digestive enzymes your gut is producing. And, you know, we map it with the chemicals, the food you're eating and tell pro- probably, you know, which one is good which one is bad which one you should avoid which one you should minimize which one you should eat more frequently and that's that's how we take sample we analyze your genes expression so genes expression means you know whatever you're eating your microbes other releases harmful gases or nutrients that is what is you know what is being produced that is what is our genes expression and that's how we we use that to provide personalized recommendation for instance you know So this is how it works. We take your sample, we process in our lab, as I shared, and then we use our multiomics technology where we decode your entire uh, microbial expression and then uh, use that data to provide you personalized dietary recommendations. So, uh, so just take an example. You know, in terms of uh, if it's you know if probably spinach, we are told spinach is healthy. You know, but it turns out that 50% of the people who eat spinach are suffering from digestive issues. Why? Right? Because uh spinach has is high in oxalic acid and if we don't have oxalobacter in our gut which can you know detoxify this acid so it will start releasing a lot of you know harmful gases like ammonia and that will create inflammation in our body similarly uh, protein is something which is consumed only by small intestine our large intestine our gut doesn't know what protein is so when they get protein when you eat excess protein you get excess protein and they ferment it and releases you know, ammonia and methane gas and then again this this can lead to even diabetes weight gain or even you know, IBS issues. Similarly, you know, uh, as Praveen mentioned about uh, antioxidants, you know, if, if your body is not able to metabolize the antioxidants, you will not get antioxidants. It doesn't mean a food have is high antioxidant. It, mean, it doesn't mean that you will get that antioxidant. It depends whether that has can be, you know, metabolized into beneficial compound for you. Uh, this is the impact we can through learning about your gut, who are there, what they do, what functions they perform, what they produce. We can tell you what food you should eat, what food you should avoid. And then that can help you eliminate your bloating issues, improve your energy levels, reduce inflammation. You know, you can improve your nutrient absorption, overcome even skin is linked to your gut microbiome, uh, you know, improve your uh, metabolic product production, get more nutrients and overcome anxiety and depression as well. So. And that's that's typical how a customer generally goes, customer register, he makes a payment, he, si- he signs up and then he takes a fecal sample, he sends C- it to a lab, lab sequence it for four or six weeks. And then, you know, the report is generated based on report. We provide you personalized dietary recommendations. Then again, there are three stages. First is resetting your gut, where we, take, we give you four weeks to reset your gut based on one particular dietary recommendation. Then for the phase two, we change your dietary recommendation. That's where we optimize your gut. So probably you have killed your bad folks living in your gut and then you're actually uh, feeding your uh, nourishing and improving your gut and then third is obviously nourishing your gut for two weeks and this this is again one cycle for three months and again you go for a retest and that that's that's uh, it takes around three to four cycles for you to to bring your gut to an optimized level that's it from our side uh and as a matter of fact for all the attendees we are offering our uh, latest publication free and you know 10 percent discount on our product and uh, we are now open for questions
2: Thank you very much for um, both of your speeches today. They're very interesting. I wonder if, uh, although you have already spoken to this question, if you could make a simple correlation between the research that you've done on the genetic understanding of the body and the, this bionomic understanding, which I've understood from, from the other speaker that Uh, there's been an an enormous uh, difference in the number and amount of these uh, patterns in the body. But if you could make a clear correlation between the testing, in particular, the testing of the genetics and the testing of bionomics, and if these are both able to be done and correlated. Thank you.
1: Uh, Okay. uh, uh, Yeah. Oh, you want to go ahead?
0: Okay. So probably I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. So I'll start with very basic in a very basic, uh, you know, uh, in terms of when we talk of, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, the microbial genes. So we, as Praveen mentioned, we have around 20 million microbial genes. So we have 99% of these genes, uh, genes, microbes genes, not our genes, right? So we have only 20,000 human genes. And that's, that's how we are only 1% human. So uh, whenever we eat something, it gets digested in small intestine. Then whatever is left, it goes into large intestine. There, are these microbes actually metabolize these foods and releases, uh, you know, different byproducts in our bloodstream, which goes to different organs. And these byproducts can be beneficial products like vitamins, minerals, short chain fatty acids or maybe harmful products like, uh, you know, harmful gases like, you know, LPS and ammonia. So how it works is when we take your sample, your stool sample, we'll get to know, we extract your DNA and we'll get to know that which, what is the, you know, percentage of abundance of your bacteria who are living in your gut, you know, who are active probably. Let me take an example. If archaea is active in your your gut, archaea is, uh, you know, methane producing microbes. So it will... uh, convert the hydrogen into methane, and it will cause, you know, a lot of inflammation in your body. So uh, if we know that, you know, Archaea is something, you know, so if you have Archaea active, so probably, you know, will not give you a food which is high in methane probably, you know, uh, protein consumption may be low and similarly we'll get to know who all are there who are active what functions they are performing right everyone has a different function to perform you know every a person can metabolize protein a person cannot metabolize fat a person can fertilize spinach or, or broccoli or, or pomegranate you know whatever you call it right so, so essentially we get to know what all uh, you know functions they are performing and what they are producing so in simple word, you have a you know uh, map the following where you have digestive enzymes and peptides which are there and foods, chemical from the foods, which are there. Then we map them and tell, okay, probably, you know, this is a particular chemical. This cannot be metabolized by your enzyme. So probably these, this food you should not eat, or probably this particular food is something which can be easily metabolized and provide you vitamins and minerals. So, so essentially this should be a superfood, right? So, so, so that, so that's, that's the kind of insights we get. And it is unique for you because you have a different microbiome. It is based on you know, your environment, your country, your age, uh, you know, how you're fed since, since the beginning, you know, how you're born, you know. So there are a lot of factors. And, and again, for, for food for you, even you, you know, uh, uh, would, be, would be different for, for your friend or, or for your neighbor or, for, or even for your, for your spouse. You know?
1: Right. So the question yes, she was, uh, uh, Sandra was asking, uh, Sushant, hmm. was, is there a correlation between the human genome and the microbial genome, right? Okay. So, uh, uh, you know, so Sandra, uh, you know, the answer to your question is that y- genetically, we are all exceptionally similar, you know, and we have a small uh, out of the 3 billion bases of which are, you know, pairs of DNA bases, which are in, you know, in in those twenty thousand genes, right? Uh, you you basically uh, were ninety nine point five or ninety nine and above. You know, very very uh, you know closely related. And there's a huge amount of differences if you look at it at the base level. You know, where we all have these different polymorphisms and genetic changes. So that is one component. Now, how is that correlated with the microbial genes? I don't think anybody has done deep research on correlating it because the diversity of the microbes, uh, as Sushant was saying, right, is so large between uh, people living, uh, you know, in different geographies, uh, people living in the same country within the same geography. Uh, you know, and different uh, as you age, you know, the microbial composition sometimes will also change. So there is no correlation. The way I would look at it is both those pieces of information are complementary uh, to each other. I don't know if we answered your question, so Then I tried to take a shot at it from different angles, but let us know.
2: Yes, uh, that's excellent. Thank you so very much. Thank you.
1: okay.
0: Uh, so, Praveen, there's another question from Ms. Jyoti Karmaka uh, that's related to cancer. So, you know, what happens after chemo, right? I have just finished six chemo's and I felt my bowels are totally going higher. right? So, uh, so uh, probably we can we can throw light on again, you know. Uh, uh, I'll add something and you, you can then further substantiate. Sure, so sure. So essentially, what happens is even chemo or immunotherapy when you are in cancer or when you are suffering or you are in the risk of cancer, you know, uh, so all these uh, drugs also go into your gut and depending about your gut microbiome essentially these uh, drugs are metabolized either as poison or medicine it depends upon who are there living in your gut and what they are doing and whether they are they are capable to metabolize this into medicine right so essentially if if you have gone into chemo and then again you are facing you know digestive issues probably you know your gut is not able to metabolize it properly or probably you're not able to extract proper benefits from it right and and, and Uh, Praveen, can you add more on to this, if if you you think something? Yeah, Uh,
1: you know, there is, uh, this is an area of research, Uh, I can give you an example from the MD Anderson Cancer Center in the US, which you know, is a very famous place. And there's a researcher there, that's actually looking at the microbiome of the tumor. And they are making correlations between if the microbiome is of this pattern, then the tumor responds to immunotherapy. Uh, you know, uh, uh, when we say immunotherapy, it's, uh, you know, antibody drugs that uh, are called checkpoint inhibitors that can block, uh, uh, you know, take away the block that the tumor is imposing on the immune system. That's the information I have. Specific to chemo, um, um, We're happy to do a bit of research and get back to you. I don't have it at the moment, uh, but uh, but again, uh, the the diet that you're on also potentially can influence your your gut. In addition to the chemo, there's obviously something going on between chemo and the gut microbiome. That interaction, uh, I don't have much information at this point for you, but I'm happy to. Jyoti, we're happy to. Uh, get back to you if you can leave your email or your contact information with us we'll be happy to research this and get back to you and and, and do whatever we can to at least give you a bit more information than we have right now yeah thank um, you thank you so much
0: yeah so probably another question is uh, from Subha is how does this work with ulcerative colitis and Crohn's
1: disease yeah so uh you know these diseases uh have been most studied Uh, because uh, people, uh, you know, uh, there have been uh, successful uh, situations where, uh, you know, people with ulcerative colitis have actually uh, recovered because of fecal transplants, right? So that tells you that this, uh, there is significant uh, impairment and uh, imbalance in the gut microbiome of Uh, people with ulcerative colitis, and that can be uh, cured uh, to significant extent by transplanting microbiome from somebody else who's normal. And those studies are out there, uh, you know, in terms of uh, publications and whatnot. So, uh, So at least having an understanding of your gut microbiome early on might potentially Prevent you from getting into, uh, you know, a situation where you have, you know, develop ulcerative colitis or Crohn's, right? So this is the idea of personalized medicine: is to not only uh, ensure that you're individualizing treatments and whatnot, but also to intercept disease early on with early detection, right? And so if 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 you if you end up knowing that you you have these types of tendencies of uh, Crohn's or ulcerative colitis, one could intervene earlier. If you end up having it, it also is good to check your microbiome and understand it's pretty bad. It needs to be replaced, right?
0: So I'll, I'll add here in terms of when we check your microbiome. So essentially, there are two... Uh, phylum of bacteria which are uh, dominating in our gut which is bacteriodides and formicutes and in most of the cases when we are suffering from IBS like uh, ulcerative colitis or or maybe you know Crohn's disease the bacteriodides have a higher presence and you know uh, and that is uh, one reason of why we face this you know uh, digestive issues and ideally we need to we need to reduce this and bring this level and optimized level you know uh, and again, that is through our dietary uh, recommendations itself, our dietary interventions, depending on where it it improves a bit of phamacules and reduce bacteria. Right? So 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 that's that's on. And again, to getting into more detail, probably you know we can. Uh, that's depending upon each individual. Probably you know we need to know what is the gut composition right now. You know, who are the pathogens currently? Who are the good people living there? You know, and and, and that's how we can decode it. Yeah.
1: Uh, right. Yeah. So... Just to add to that, you know, these bacteria, you know, they produce uh, higher levels of urease, right, which is uh, what will, uh, you know, uh, you know, produce uh, more higher levels of ammonia from nitrogen, right, yeah. and and then just sort of going back to uh, Jyoti uh, uh, Jyoti ji's uh, question about cancer. Uh, not necessarily chemo, there are certain bacteria that have been implicated in colorectal carcinogenesis, like Fusobacterium and some strains of E. coli and bacterioids fragilis and all that. All of this is emerging science. Uh, One can't say that one could right away use this to treat people, at least in this instance. Uh, uh, But, uh, you know, a lot of insights are coming uh, in terms of uh, diseases, but also how microbiome interacts with the drugs that we take, for instance, acid reflux medication, you know, they basically reduce the acidity in the stomach, which means that your microbial count goes up, you know? And so it does have a, a direct implication on uh, on your gut microbiome, right? Similarly, we, we already talked about, uh, you know, Prozac and its effects, you know, on the gut microbiome. so. Just like uh, food that we consume has an effect on microbes, anything that we put into our gut that is a medicine or a drug or a supplement does have its impact. And you want to understand that.
0: Okay, Praveen, there's, so there's an, another important question uh, from Rajan because uh, it's about autoimmune disease like GPA, right? And mm-hmm. uh, so, how do we heal that? Again, you know, autoimmune, again, linked to your. Immune system. So when you throw light on that, probably that's more on you know how our gut and immune system are interacting.
1: Correct. Well, uh, uh, you get into a very specific question of uh, uh, granulomatosis, granular right? And I don't, I, I cannot speak to that the level of specificity in this case. But in general, I think uh, it is very clear that the uh, gut immune access is pretty strong, and uh, autoimmune diseases, allergies, for instance, I'll give you the example of, I mean, since we are kind of in the immune disease space, you know, if you take uh, children that have grown up in farms and children that have grown up in urban areas, uh, the relative uh, uh, incidence of allergy and asthma is much, much lesser in children who grow up in the rural communities compared to the urban communities. Clearly tells you that you want to be exposed more to bacteria. It's a good thing. you know. Uh, in the US, we tend to be hyper clean. We use antibacterial wipes and on ourselves and on our countertops and kitchens. Really, this is not very good. Uh, it, it eliminating, uh, you know, bacteria from around the environment doesn't seem to be very favorable for, uh, uh, you know, And This is the hygiene hypothesis, right? So, uh, so there are those sorts of uh, things. We will get back to you, Rajan, on that uh, autoimmune condition that you're specifically talking about. But in general, know that uh, the immune system is a very delicate balance between attacking uh, harmful bacteria and viruses and attacking our own body cells which is the autoimmune situation. or in the case of allergies you know the immune system is producing a lot of we call it TH2 type of reaction you know which is a lot of uh, cytokines and factors that uh, cause damage. To the cells, you know, in our body, right? Uh, not as severe as autoimmune, but somewhere in between. So, uh, so I think the gut microbiome has has a huge impact in in all of that, uh, you know, in how it modulates uh, the immune system and immune disease. And for optimal immune health, uh, knowing our gut microbiome is is really important, rather than just looking at our IgE antibodies. Um, our IgG antibodies and 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 such. I think uh, also adding uh, gut microbiome profiling is is going to be really important.
0: I'll, I'll add here, Rajan, one more thing, and uh, Praveen. Uh, so again, uh, this is this has also to do with leaky gut because when we have a leaky gut, or probably foods and bacteria is popping into into bloodstream, right? And our immune system start creating these immune bodies, and then again that get into different cells and that starts inflammatory re- reaction for every food and that's how we have food tolerances and everything so probably uh, rajan we can discuss specific about gpa maybe offline you know or we can we can fix up a call and discuss uh, you me and Praveen can discuss in this detail uh, coming on to your second question on diabetes uh, you know uh, as i mentioned again diabetes is caused by uh, chronic inflammation which happens when we are feeding something uh, to uh, uh, you know harmful bacteria which is reading harmful gases that creates breaks the communication between gut and brain and then we end up you know uh, consuming a lot of food uh, you know, and that's how it, it spikes our sugar level right So essentially when you talk about diabetes it is not having less carbs or more protein or maybe with ketosis, it is depending upon who are there in your gut you know uh, what they are doing, how they are, how they are interacting with the food you eat, so Essentially, we'll get to know probably you know if you have to have spinach in your diet or broccoli or or maybe you need to have almonds in your in your avoid list, or maybe you need to have apples in your avoid list or maybe blueberry in your in your superfood. So all these things would entirely depend upon you know what who are there living in your gut, right? And this is again uh, something with which is specific to you because uh, you need to decode your biological functions, you know what chemicals are converted into what what is a biochemical reaction happening into the body right so so uh, that is again very specific to you so again if you if someone is having high in sugar level it has nothing to do with low carb or high protein you need to really learn you know uh, your biological system you need to learn who are there living in your gut so uh, Praveen, uh, kanan's question is what is the treatment regime that will be recommended post appendicitis yeah.
1: Yeah, so so there's uh, no treatment, Karan. It's uh, basically customized advice on nutrition that ties into your uh, microbiome profile. So we are not in the business of prescribing drugs. We are in the business of prescribing uh, food as a medicine that is personalized based on your uh, microbiome profile.
0: So folks, more questions?
1: Well, we had a very interactive audience today. So thank you, members of the audience. I know we cannot solve all your problems with this one you know, webinar, but we hope it sparks your interest in, in, in sort of trying to understand the bigger part of, your genome, which is the microbial genome and the microbes that Mm -hmm. reside in you and how you can leverage it for health and happiness and and peace in your lives. We all wish you all the best. Everyone is going through some problem or the other. So uh, best wishes to you all, Uh, stay safe, stay healthy. That's my parting message and I'll hand it off to Sushant also. Thank you, everyone, for, you know, sparing your
0: uh, valuable time.
2: You. And oh, wow. with
0: us. Thank you, Shushan. It was a very informative session. All the very best to you. Thank you. We will all send an email regarding, you know, you can access our content, our blogs. Uh, there are a lot of podcasts there, you know. Uh, so we'll send you on on email properly. You can access and Certainly. if you have any questions, feel free to cool, come back to us. Okay thank you and all the very best yes yeah. thank you thank you so thank you. much
2: Shashant and Dr Praveen for such a enlightening session i must say that i'm sure all our participants would have benefited from the knowledge uh, inputs you've
0: shared on uh, you know, from on the gut microbiome uh, relate, relation. And I'm sure uh, we would have become at least a little more knowledgeable on how our digestive system is affected by this relation. So thank you so much
2: for the session. I'm taking our time for everyone.
1: Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you. thank you, everyone. We will.
2: Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh-huh. Bye everyone. Thank you all the participants. Thank you for such an engaging conversation.